the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ruth. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. God's going to take a bitter story and make it very sweet. And that's the wonderful thing about what God often does in our lives. Now, it isn't that every story ends up happily ever after. You know, some stories are that God sees us through the difficulties. And God's ever-abiding presence is there through the difficulties. And then there are other times that He brings us out of the difficulties and He takes what is bitter and, and makes it sweet. Sometimes, however, He just gives us the endurance during the bitter times. He's faithful either way. We go through so much during our lifetime. We battle loss, fear, sickness, and so many more incredibly difficult things. But through Jesus' sacrifice, we don't have to face those alone or face them for no reason. In today's message, Pastor Gary will share with you that when you're a follower of Christ, He puts meaning to even your lowest moments. He makes every single aspect of your day-to-day habits mean something bigger than just living. God uses them to show others His everlasting love. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ruth, chapter 3, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The book of Ruth uh, deals with a story where there are initially four main characters. Here they are. You have Elimelech. He is married to Naomi. Uh, Elimelech's name means my God is king. Naomi's name means pleasant or delightful. They have two sons, Malon, whose name is sick or weak. Kilion's name means tired or dying. So not the most impressive names, but those are the boys. Uh, and there's a famine in the land. And the, the story takes place initially in Bethlehem, located about five miles Uh, or so south of Jerusalem. And because of the famine that is in the land, they decide to leave Bethlehem as a family and they go to the other side of the Dead Sea in the land of Moab. Uh, And today it would be the country of Jordan, but this is where they've settled. Now the Moabites are very pagan people. They don't worship uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Moabites are descendants of an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters who got him drunk one night and slept with him. So the Moabites are descendants of incest, and, uh, but while there, this family, the two boys uh, get married, and they marry a couple of uh, Moabite women. Uh, Kilion marries Orpah, her name means gazelle, and Malon marries Ruth, and her name means friendship. But while they are there in Moab to escape the famine back in their homeland, you know, the irony is they've left Bethlehem, which translates the house of bread, to go to Moab because there's no bread in the house of bread. But while they're in Moab, uh, things must get worse for them because the men die in the family. All the men die. So Elimelech dies and uh, sick and tired die. 
Uh, they live up to their name, and they're gone. So it leaves uh, just the women, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. And Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, I'm going to go back home. It's been 10 years now, but you ladies are from Moab, so you should stay here. And uh, Orpah says, okay, that sounds good to me. I'm going to start a huge uh, media conglomerate and have a talk show. No, that's, that's Oprah. I'm sorry. This is Orpah, and, uh, and so she stays in Moab, but Ruth says, no, I'm going to go with you, and where you go, I will go, and your God will be my God. And so the rest of the story is about these two women, Naomi and Ruth, and they end up then going back to Bethlehem. And again, it's been 10 years, so Ruth has never been there, uh, but uh, Naomi, when she goes back, she, because of her... Her bitterness in life, she's lost her husband, she's lost her two sons. She says to the people who at first don't even recognize her, she says, you call me Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew because my life is bitter. And God's going to take a bitter story and make it very sweet. And that's the wonderful thing about what God often does in our lives. Now, it isn't that every story ends up happily ever after. You know, some stories are that God sees us through the difficulties. um, And God's ever-abiding present is there through the difficulties. And then there are other times that he brings us out of the difficulties and he takes what is bitter and and makes it sweet. Sometimes, however, he just gives us the endurance during the bitter times. He's faithful either way, and God is good no matter what our circumstances. And so what he's going to show in the course of this story here, we'll get through, Lord willing, just chapter 3, he's going to show a very redemptive love story. And it isn't just the redemptive love story between a man and a woman, although that's part of it, as we will see here, between Ruth and Boaz, but it is also a picture of a redemptive love story between God and mankind. And Jesus is reflected in every book of the Bible, including the Old Testament, and we will see Jesus revealed in this redemptive love story too, but Uh, Probably not until we get to uh, chapter 4, but we're here in chapter 3. Now, I will tell you that this chapter, as we begin to read it, is a very painfully practical chapter. And the reason I say painfully is because some of you might um, be a little offended by the advice that Naomi gives her daughter-in-law. But I want you to know that the advice that she gives her daughter-in-law is not only practical for Ruth, it's practical for every single woman. So if you're a single woman and you're going to read this with me, don't be insulted. Like, let some of this speak to you, because this is straight out of God's word, even though it's very, very practical. You'll see as we go through it. So here, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, Is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So um, this tells us basically the time of year because you would uh, harvest barley in the months of April. It was usually one of the first um, crops to be harvested, even before the wheat harvest. So this this story takes place around the month of April. We've previously been introduced to Boaz in chapter 2. His name means strength. Uh, He is a very successful man, we find out. He is very wealthy. 
He has a, a great agricultural business. He has a lot of employees. And um, one of the things that, that he does is he takes an interest in Ruth. He sees Ruth, who is gathering some of the leftover scraps from the harvest field, to take home, which the Levitical law provided for. God made provision for those who were poor. And, and uh, God's law required that owners of fields, after it was harvested, don't pick up every scrap. The parts that lie on the ground, the poor are able to come freely and gather. This is what Ruth is doing one day. And Boaz notices her. And he even warns his fellow employees. He gathers all the guys together. He says, guys, don't you be making any advances towards that young lady. And he warns them. He basically challenges them because he's, he becomes very protective of Ruth. You can begin to see his heart is turning towards her. And so he warns all the other guys. He's like, don't you dare touch her, okay? And if you do... I own all these fields. They will never find your body. You know, that's the kind of thing that he doesn't actually say that, but that's why I hear that in my head. Okay. Now, Naomi, concerned for Ruth and sees kind of this little love scenario happening here. She's like, okay, like, like I, I want security for you. I want you to, I want you to be able to get married and, and, uh, and have security here. And so here's her advice. Verse three, therefore, Wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment. Okay, pause right there in the middle of the verse because here's, here's where all this practical advice from Naomi to Ruth comes. And you can take it or leave it if you want, single ladies. But uh, all the single ladies sing it. You know, listen, I won't sing the song. But here, number one, this is what she says. Look and smell your best. That's the first advice that she gives Ruth here. She says, look and smell your best. Now, um, people didn't shower every day like we do now. You know, everybody typically get, you know, takes a shower every day. And, uh, and they, didn't, they didn't live like that. They didn't have the luxury of that kind of thing. Even a few hundred years ago, people would only take baths once a year. Did you know this? In the 1500s, um, yeah, don't be startled. I'm actually going to tell you where certain phrases have come from, okay? Back in the 1500s, people generally took baths once a year, and it was in the month of May. And in this order, okay, the men of the house had the privilege of getting the first clean bath, then the sons, then the other men, followed by the women, then the children, and last of all, the babies. So by then, the water was so dirty that you could lose someone in the bath. And I'm not making this up. That's where the expression came from. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Did you ever wonder where that expression came from? That's where it came from. You as a family would take a bath once a year. By the time the babies would bathe, it would be so muddy. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Here's another little information, tidbit of information you may not know, that also it was traditional that weddings happened in June. Why? Because you took your bath in May. <laughs> but by June, you know, you're starting to smell a little, you know, after a month, you still aren't as, as sweet smelling as you were in May. Thus the tradition of a bride and her bridesmaids carrying bouquets of flowers. 
Okay, you get free information here at Cornerstone Chapel. You didn't know. Now you know. Why do we have bouquets of flowers? Because by June, you're starting to stink a little. Where did that expression, baby in the bathwater, come from? Now you know. So, Naomi says to Ruth, because they don't take showers every day, why don't you take a bath? Like, you know, clean yourself up. Now, Ruth was a virtuous woman. So she wasn't trying to turn heads, you know, or dress to impress. The fact that she is having to be coached here a little bit indicates that, you know, she's not all that concerned about her physical appearance per se. Her noble character is going to attract a man of noble character because we find that in this story. Both Ruth and Boaz are people of noble character. You will attract the kind of of person that you are. You will attract the kind of person that you are. It's amazing to me how many singles go bar hopping and clubbing looking for um, men or women who don't normally uh, bar hop or club. And then you're surprised as to why the people you find there are so shallow. Well, stop going there. If you're easy, you'll attract easy. If you're virtuous, you will attract virtuous. Having said that, there's nothing wrong with anybody, but in the context of this story, there's nothing wrong with a woman looking her best. Especially if you want someone to notice you. And so Naomi basically says to Ruth, take a bath, soak in some bath salts, go get your nails done, and then go on over to Ulta, slap down a few Ben Franklins, and get some makeup and some Moabite delight perfume, and doll yourself up. Now, remember, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth has been working in the fields, so she's a little grungy at this point. And Naomi's just telling her to clean up a little bit. If, if, if you want Boaz to notice, clean up a little bit. Now, at this point, some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute, I know a Bible verse. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. <laughs> and it says it is more important to have inward beauty, inward beauty, inward beauty, <laughs> than to adorn the outward appearance. So what about that verse, Pastor Gary? Okay, fine. That, that, be very spiritual. That's wonderful. Have your inner beauty. That is terrific. But I just am telling you, guys are very visual, and so they're very visual, and long before they're going to notice your inner beauty, they're going to see your outer looks. And so there's nothing wrong. You say, well, that's so shallow. Well, there's, there's nothing shallow about wanting to look good, and there's nothing shallow about at least immediately being attracted to an outward appearance. So this is the advice that Naomi's giving her. Now you know why I'm saying this is painfully practical. Some of you are already offended like this sounds. This whole Bible study is shallow so far. Well, (laughs) fine. I mean, if you want the freedom to have hair like a wolf and smell like a fish tank, fine. I mean, you, you can be that way. I'm just telling you, in practical terms, if you want a guy to notice, take a bath, look good. That's what Naomi's saying here. Now... It, it still stays practical. There's three things that she says. Come on back. Come on back. Because look at the rest of the verse. So she says there, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment. Look at the rest of verse uh, three. And go down to the threshing floor. I love this. But do not make yourself known to the man, to Boaz, until he has finished eating and drinking. How practical is that? Number two. A man is in a better mood and a full stomach. It's, it's true. 
It's just true. Look, let him eat. Naomi's basically saying, let him eat a few chicken wings and watch the game before you hit him with your list. It's in the Bible. It's right here. If, if you tell him everything that's wrong in the house and with the kids, the moment he steps through the door, he isn't going to listen, let alone care. Like, feed him first. I mean, we know the saying, right? The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's not just a, a phrase. That's truth. That's truth right in the Bible. Like, let him eat first. This is smart stuff that Naomi is saying here to Ruth. This is good advice. Naomi knows. Why does Naomi know? Because she was married. She was married. Look, listen, some of you single ladies are confused about men, and so you go to other single ladies to try to figure out men. Listen, how about going to a woman who has one? Don't go to another single lady and ask them to translate men. How about finding a married woman who actually has one? And then she can translate men to you. And say, well, this, this, listen, this is how they are. This is how they work. This is kind of weird about them. And this is kind of, you know, the way they are. But, but, you know, this is Naomi expressing to her. And so Naomi's translating to Ruth. And she basically says to Ruth, now when you go there, this is the first part of what I just read. He said, she says, now when you go there, be invisible. Like, like, do not make yourself known to the man, she says there in the verse, until he is finished eating and drinking. In other words, just don't walk up to Boaz and go, can you just explain to me, where are we in this relationship? You know, you never call me, you never text me, and, and I'm just kind of, I have to follow you on Instagram to even find what you're up to. Like, stop that. Like, that's called stalking. Like, I, he's not going to respond with joy when you start talking like that. And by the way, most men don't want an emotional dump truck unloaded on them either. Like, just relax. And so Naomi goes, just go there, but don't even, don't even be noticed. Don't even be noticed. Just go there and wait until he is, has a full stomach and, and he's in good spirits. Then, then. Okay, now, verse 4 seems a little strange to us, I will admit. Verse 4, Naomi continues with her advice. She says, then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. (laughs) Now, this is not... Typical advice you would think to give to your single daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're really interested in a guy? Okay, go find out where he lives, stalk him at his apartment, and then climb up the balcony like a ninja, sneak in where he is, lie down by his feet, uncover the blanket. Nobody would give their daughter typically this kind of advice. But some things in the Bible are descriptive, not prescriptive. All right? It's just not like, here's, here's how it should always work. This is something unique here to the culture. It was very common in the culture that when you would lie down at someone's feet, you were, uh, you were showing your humility and submission. Ruth is going to show here her humility in, in this act of what, of what she's doing here. And um, the third point that, that uh, Naomi makes here out of verse 4 is, is that it's okay to let a man know that you are interested and available. Now, you say, but I don't want to chase a guy. Okay, true. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be chasing after a guy, but it's okay to get in his way. <laughs> it's okay to get in front of him once in a while. 
you know, sometimes guys are a little slow. And sometimes guys are a little intimidated. And sometimes guys lack confidence. And giving a guy a little indication that you are interested too and that you're available is, is all that he needs. And so, and so Naomi is saying to Ruth, give Boaz some incentive here to make a move. And, and so this is the advice that she is, is giving her. Listen, single ladies, sometimes a man doesn't pursue you, not because he's not interested, but because he thinks you're not. So just a little indication will, that, that you're open uh, to some kind of a relationship goes a long way to help a guy who's otherwise slow or intimidated or lacks some confidence uh, to, to make a move. Now, Ruth, in, in the story here, let's go back to the text. So, so verse, verse 4, this is uh, the last of the advice that she, that she gives her here. And so in verse 5, so Ruth says, uh, and she said to her, uh, all that you say to me, uh, I will do. And so verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now, I want to emphasize here, this is not something suggestive. She's not being provocative. Uh, There's a big difference between being provocative in an effort to turn heads and simply being attractive inside and out with dignity. Those are two very different things. This is not her attempt to seduce him. This is uh, something very cultural in terms of just showing her um, willingness and humility that if he's interested, she's wanting him to know I'm interested. And what happens if not just a man, but anybody is typically asleep and you uncover their feet? What typically happens? Their feet gets cold and they wake up. They're kind of startled by like, who uncovered my feet? Like eventually it wakes you up. And this is what happens here. She's wanting to get his attention here. And so it says in in verse 8, and so it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet, and he said, who are you? You have to remember, this is midnight, so it's dark, and he can't tell who this is, and last thing he knew, he just went to sleep, and all of a sudden he's woken up, his feet are uncovered, and there's some woman at the the end of of, uh, where he's lying. And so she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Now, some translations where she says, take your maidservant under your wing, some translations uh, read, spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant. This is a statement she is making here to uh, basically invite what we would call, even still today, his spiritual covering. Like, even as a garment is thrown over someone and covers them physically, she's asking for him, if he's willing. She's she's not being forward here. This is still culturally, she's being gracious to him, but she's letting him know, I'm interested if you're interested. 
What she's asking here is for his covering. Now, that's a term that is used even today. And um, the idea behind that term is that husbands should provide some type of spiritual covering for their wives in the sense of protecting her, loving her, uh, making sure she's taken care of, uh, being willing to, to die for her if necessary, like having a loving leadership for his wife such that there is this, in a spiritual sense, a covering. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hammer. Although the following words may be familiar to you, it packs a powerful punch of loyalty in a time of great famine and war. Listen to these words from Ruth 1.16 as she is pledging to not leave her mother-in-law, Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. And in verse 17, Ruth says, Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, that's commitment right there, with a whole lot of love mixed in. Ruth decided to stay and provide for Naomi. Did you know Jesus is the same with us? He's committed to you to love and care for you. If you have questions about today's study, you can let us know at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Again, that's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a radio ministry of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to learn more about us. That's it for today. Join us again on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.